Pastor Xavier Reese with today's simple truth regarding spiritual warfare. Do not be blind to the spiritual attacks on your life, your family, or your marriage, as if it's not spiritual. 1 Peter 5a says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4. Running around seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't devour non-believers. They belong to him. It's believers. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it comes to our national defense, much attention is paid to chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons capable of mass casualties. But the greatest number of casualties have often been in stealth with the deceptive tactics of a small number of terrorists. Today, Pastor Xavier helps us to prepare for every type of attack the enemy stands ready to launch. Let's join him for today's important simple truths drawn from our study series in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6, and the message is entitled, The Believer and Warfare. Paul declares apostolic authority here for spiritual warfare characterized by the following. First, you have the plea regarding the warfare, verse 1 and 2. Notice Paul pleaded with them by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ here. Now, the word meek has the idea of humility, the inward virtue of the new man in Christ. The word gentleness means mildness or suitability. The outward expression of the inner virtue and character. So what you see on the outside is really what's going on on the inside. The visible conduct, the reflection of the new nature. Notice the false teachers took the conduct of Paul towards the Corinthians in meekness and gentleness and used it against him. They accused him of acting in a false way, in physical presence with no confident authority. He's just not sure of himself. He's not really an apostle. They accuse him of being bold and confident in his authority when he's absent from them, writing to them. And all he wants to do is rule over you. This would portray the conduct of Paul as a coward, not a confident apostle of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Look at verse 2. The apostle Paul did not want to use his authority to confront the Corinthians the way he was going to confront the false apostles. But I beg you, that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence. And he'll move on to say, which he will exercise towards the false teachers. And so this was Paul's plea regarding the warfare. He moves on to the perspective regarding the weapons of warfare in verse 3 through 5. The Judaizers were false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into angels on false apostles of light in Chapter 11, verse 13. These false apostles were preaching a different Jesus. That's a pretty heavy charge in chapter 11, verse 4. Paul says they're preaching another Jesus. The apostle Paul pointed out the identity of his weapons of warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Paul's weapons are not carnal. Here's a negative. Paul likened his contentions and difficulties that opposed him at Corinth as warfare to be dealt with as part of his duty of his apostolic commission to contend for the faith. Listen, 
you are always in a war zone. The origin of warfare is spiritual, though it will manifest itself physically. You must be careful. When starts, things start happening in your home or with your marriage and this and that, and you say, oh, it's just, no. That doesn't mean you don't confront each other. doesn't mean you don't hold each other accountable. But realize the origin. The origin is hell and Satan, and he wants to disrupt and destroy. And then notice Paul's weapons are mighty in God. Here's the positive. The weapons are effective due to the fact that the war campaign is God's, and he provides the weapons to equip his soldiers. The Old Testament has a phrase, the Lord of hosts which means the captain of the armies of heaven. He's the one that fights. Notice verse 4 and 5. The apostle Paul pointed out the purposeful efficiency of his weapons of warfare. For pulling down the strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So Paul stated, for the pulling down of strongholds. These are his weapons, the purpose behind them. And the phrase pulling down means destruction or demolition with the idea of clearing the obstacle. It's nothing for God. The one who said, light be, there. What's impossible for God? He tells Jeremiah, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything impossible for me? No. And yet God in his sovereignty allows man's free will. He doesn't force himself upon, but God oversees this church and God oversees his word and God cannot be opposed by any person. It's impossible. This word is found three times here in the epistle. Other one in verse 8 and then in chapter 13, verse 10. This is the power of the gospel through the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives to each individual. The word strongholds is derived from the meaning to fortify through the idea of holding safely a fortress. These strongholds are describing the fortress-like beliefs that men are making their defense and objections against the gospel of Christ. Not Paul. The word strongholds is in the plural. These strongholds will be listed for us in the next verse. The power of God through the gospel is able to demolish these strongholds or prisons in the minds of men and women, keeping them from having the ability to reason or to see the deception and be set free. You used to be there. I was there. Our hearts were hard. We couldn't see it. And then one day, by the grace of God, you heard the gospel and your heart was open and God removed the veil and you saw it. And what held you captive, your philosophies, your, your logic or whatever it might have been, all of a sudden was exposed of fallacy and you saw the reality of God's truth and you let go of the deception and you embraced the truth by the grace of God. Look at verse 5 there. Paul stated these fortresses consist of arguments. Reasonings is the word logismos from logic or thoughts that are hostile to the Christian faith. 
denying God, denying the need of salvation, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is. Well, I mean, how could God, you know, how could this and that, and, and all the objections. The battle plan here is to always demolish these thoughts that come against the authority of the gospel. Once again, the word casting down means to take down as a superior force, clearing the obstacle. The tense is the participle present active to be going on at all times, constantly. Whether it be others or my own thoughts. When dumb thoughts come in about, Lord, Lord, I just thank you for your grace. I thank you that you saved me. When condemnation comes, when doubts come, whatever it is, I bring my thoughts in captivity. We'll see this. The weapons are mighty, notice, in God, able to remove and to throw down from their place of power. The philosophies that oppose the gospel, the false logics that oppose the gospel, to give reasons why you can't believe and you shouldn't believe. The word casting down again also applies to these, meaning to take down by the superior force. The reference is to those worldviews that stand as pillars in forts of thought and schools of learning that exalt themselves above the message of the gospel, which God will wreck and defeat through the gospel. The power of the gospel. Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and to the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The power of the gospel. Nothing else. Nothing like it. There is no concept of thought, learning a philosophy, that can stand against the weapons of God when the heart is disposed and open. But he's the perfect gentleman. He doesn't force you to go to heaven. You have all the right to go to hell. He'll break his heart, but he's not going to force you to go to heaven. The military metaphor is that of a superior and triumphant siege in this entire passage. Losing is not the option here. Then notice Paul stated, these fortresses consist in bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The mission is to confront and expose false and erroneous ideas about God or the gospel. Every thought, the word thought there means mental perception or evil purpose. The goal, notice, is to set them free from their deception and obey Christ. The result being one of being taken prisoner. Captivity, which means to lead captive, literally bring into captivity. The word obedience means compliance and submission to what? The word of God. Our spiritual weapons for the warfare are much like um, the modern day weapons of night vision that allow those special ops to see at night as if it was day. Have you guys seen that commercial with these two, uh, whatever, or the lions coming up and they go, hey, Albert, you know, you got, we got night vision, this and that. Uh, yeah. Just mocking the lion because he doesn't have that night vision. God allows us to see. The word of God is um, an essential weapon for warfare. Hebrews um, 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul of the spirit, of the joint and the marrow, and discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It begins with me, then others. The Holy Spirit is another essential 
Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. He cannot be defeated. The weapons of prayer is another in Ephesians 6, 18. Listen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is being able to see reality. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and means of darkness, Ephesians 6, 12. The entire armor is given to us, as I've said before. 2 Timothy 3, 2, 3 through 4 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You guys were in the Army, Marines, Air Force or Navy, you know when you signed that bottom line, you belonged to Uncle Sam. And you weren't concerned about anything else. Your responsibility was to meet that commission they gave to you, whatever your duty was. Do not be blind to the spiritual attacks on your life, your family or your marriage, as if it's not spiritual. 1 Peter 5a says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 4. Have you ever read his menu? He loves lazy Christians, careless Christians, carnal Christians. Mm, he loves carnal Christians. Running around seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't devour non believers, they belong to him. It's believers. This was Paul's perspective regarding the weapons of warfare. Now notice thirdly, he has only one verse. The practice regarding order after the warfare. The Apostle Paul was ever ready to implement spiritual discipline to the false infiltrators. And being ready to punish all disobedience. Paul was a committed faithful field marshal having breached the walls of the fortress and now ready to put down the last of any and every rebellion. His settled conviction is stated by the phrase being ready, meaning to be willing and prepared to act as he should if he has to and do it. You don't want to do it. You hope you don't have to do it. But if you have to do it, you will do it. This is the conviction here. Realizing the danger of the surviving enemy, the false teacher, it would be worse in the church. The word there, punish, means to vindicate one's spirit and to do what is just and right by implementing consequences for the wrong actions, not personal vengeance. That's important. Literally, having to avenge another participle present active, ongoing, Continuously, You do this as often as you need to for order. Notice he was going to deal with the rebels that refused to surrender this warfare. They were fighting hard. Taking the needed measures to quench and expel all enemies. Threatening the victorious conquest. Paul could not and would not allow any of the false teachers to continue this rebellion against the gospel and his apostolic authority and ministry. He could not. The church was at stake in the gospel here. And so Paul will deal severely with them and put a stop to them once and for all. 
And there are times things that happen in churches that have to be taken care of. Sometimes heresy comes in. Sometimes a group of people just try to corrupt the church. I've seen churches just divided right in half. I've seen pastors be thrown out. I've seen different things. It's amazing what goes on in church. The severity of the actions of Paul was due to the severe accusations and deception by the false teachers accusing Paul of fleshly wisdom, vacillating in opinion and plans, no letters of commendation, no integrity, wrong motives, interested in gain, playing two-face while he was present with them and when he was absent. His apostleship, not genuine. And so notice the rest of six. The apostle was waiting for the rest of the Corinthians to fulfill the repentant obedience. When your obedience is fulfilled. So Paul was hoping for the unrepentant Corinthians to self-discipline themselves. As I said, the shortest distance between two points. First John 2, 1. You take care of yourself. You keep yourself on track. You be the first to bust you. Okay? Because you're the one that lives with you. The word obedience Hupakuo, as I mentioned earlier, means compliance and submission. The prefix hupo means under what you hear, being one with it, opposed to par alongside, not giving heed to it. So the obedient and disobedience. Paul was hoping for the evidence of their maturity in Christ. That's what he's saying here. He always wanted the believer to correct the wrong in the church. It is so good when the church just corrects itself, when believers correct themselves. You know, as a, as a parent, you deal with your children and you're teaching them discipline and consequences and instruction. And you're, you're, you're doing consistently in hope that as they grow older, they will correct themselves. And so one day they rise up and they're grown up and they can be productive adults in society. And they won't have to be corrected or disciplined by the laws of society. That's what you're hoping for. This is the same thing here that he's talking about. He wanted to see the church's ability to discern and resolve the internal issues. He wanted the Corinthians to be faithful in warfare. Once the obedience of the remaining Corinthians was accomplished, the church would be on track again. A healthy church in Christ. That's good. Very important. This last point is much like the field marshal if you remember the book of Jeremiah, that they breached the walls of Jerusalem and then the field marshal went throughout the city to quench and put to an end any last rebellion with no mercy because you couldn't jeopardize the victory. You understand? That's how delicate this thing is. These individuals are deceivers. They're not concerned about the church. The wisdom of man will oppose the word of God always. Listen to uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty one. For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Not the preaching of foolishness, through the foolishness of the message preached. God's choice through the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-8 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. 
Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they would have been able to look at Jesus on Calvary and say, hey, dude, don't mess with him, that's God. They wouldn't touch him. But all they saw was a man. If you can conclude by your own thinking, by your own rationale, looking at the Bible, oh yeah, this is that, you can't do that. Your heart's got to be open for God through the Holy Spirit to convict you and to turn on the light so you can see it. He looked at your heart. Nobody would have touched Jesus as they could have discerned by the natural realm. Oh, that's God. <laughs> Who's going to try to crucify God? The philosophies of man will want to replace the truth of God's word. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophies, phileo sophia, the love of wisdom, and empty deceit, the ABCs of the world, according to traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Again, our public education, our universities, are the first and the greatest of fortresses against the gospel. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You are complete in him. He is the head of all principalities and powers. If you pass up Jesus, you pass up the gate to heaven. You'll never enter. The religions of man are passed off as the word of God. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, religion. The changing of God's truth is the same old lie repeated throughout history. Satan told Eve, you will not surely die. Genesis 3, 4. The Tower of Babel, they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Genesis 11, 4. In rebellion, God says, go throughout the earth. They said, now we're going to just make a way to heaven. We're going to make a religious system for people to come through us. Romans 1, 20 and 21, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen carefully. Because although they knew God, those of the past, in Genesis and that, they did not glorify him as God, but were not thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts they were darkened. And it goes on to speak about corrupting the creation, worshiping the creature more than the creator, corrupting the sexes, women for women, men for men, rejecting the truth of God. Same old lie. This was Paul's practice regarding order after the warfare. Everything is back where it's supposed to be. The apostolic declaration of Paul's state here before the Corinthians or spiritual warfare characterized by the plea regarding the warfare, the perspective regarding the weapons of warfare, and the practice regarding order after warfare. These are all principles for your life and mine, for our own life, for our marriages, for our homes, for the church life. Can't ignore them. 
If you do, you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. There's no exception. Pastor Xavier Reese has been offering helpful, simple truths concerning three simple steps regarding spiritual warfare. And you can pick up a copy of today's message called The Believer and Warfare. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And this will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now, the title to ask for once again is The Believer and Warfare. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for remembering to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Satan's greatest strategy is deception. So how then do we fight back? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 